Hi everyone, welcome back to the MedBullet Step 1 podcast. In today's episode, we cover the topic of vaginal carcinoma found under the oncology section at medbullets.com. Let's begin with a clinical snapshot. A 62-year-old woman reports having abnormal vaginal bleeding that occurs intermittently between her predictable menstrual cycles. Pelvic exam is notable for a vaginal mass. She underwent a vaginal biopsy that was remarkable for squamous cell carcinoma. Let's continue with an introduction to vaginal carcinoma. As a general overview, remember that this refers to a malignancy affecting the vagina. The most common histologic type is squamous cell carcinoma. This is most commonly secondary to squamous cell carcinoma of the cervix. In terms of the epidemiology, this comprises about 3% of all malignancies involving the female genital tract, and the mean age of diagnosis is about 60 years. Risk factors include human papillomavirus infection, extension from malignant cervical disease, and diethylstilbestrol, which is associated with adenocarcinoma of the vagina. Moving on to the presentation. Symptoms will most commonly include vaginal bleeding. This may be postcoital, intermenstrual, or postmenopausal. On exam, a vaginal mass may be noted. In terms of further studies, lab studies may include vaginal cytology. Invasive studies may include vaginal colposcopy, which is indicated if cytology is abnormal. Another option is a vaginal biopsy. This is indicated to confirm the diagnosis. Histology may demonstrate squamous cell carcinoma, as this is the most common histological type. There may be clear cell adenocarcinoma, and this will be secondary to DES exposure in utero most commonly. This typically presents in women less than 20 years of age. One may also note sarcoma botryoides. Remember that botrys is Greek for grapes. This will affect girls that are less than 4 years of age. It appears as a polypoid or grape-like mass that emerges from the vagina, and it contains spindle-shaped cells that are positive for desmin. In terms of the differential, make sure to think about cervical cancer, with differentiating factors being that there will be evidence of dysplastic or malignant cells in the cervix only. In terms of treatment, remember that treatment planning should be individualized depending upon the location, size, and clinical stage of the tumor. And lastly, treatment-related complications may include rectal and vaginal strictures, as well as urethral, bladder, and or rectal injury. Now that we've discussed the major points relating to vaginal carcinoma, let's walk through some questions to apply what we've learned and get a sense of how the topic might be tested. For the first question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 76-year-old woman presents to the clinic complaining of blood on her underwear. She denies any clear precipitating factor or trauma to the area, but two weeks ago, she noticed some reddish-brown stains on her undergarments. This has been happening intermittently since then. She denies pain, abnormal discharge, abnormal odors, urinary symptoms, or gastrointestinal symptoms. Her past medical history is unremarkable, and she has had regular pap smears, the most recent being 10 years ago. A pelvic exam is performed, and a small protrusion from the vaginal wall is visualized. A vaginal biopsy is performed, which demonstrates large cells with clear cytoplasm. 
which of the following is associated with this patient's condition? And the answer choices are Choice 1. Cervical squamous cell carcinoma Choice 2. Diethylstilbestrol exposure in utero Choice 3. Hormone replacement therapy Choice 4. Infection with human papillomavirus Or Choice 5. Premature ovarian failure The best answer to this question is Choice 2. Diethylstilbestro exposure in utero. This patient has clear cell adenocarcinoma of the vagina, as demonstrated by the painless vaginal bleeding, protruding mass, and clear cell cytology on biopsy. Clear cell adenocarcinoma of the vagina is associated with DES exposure in utero. Clear cell adenocarcinoma of the vagina is a type of vaginal cancer associated with in utero exposure to DES. On gross examination, it usually presents as a polypoid mass on the anterior wall of the vagina. Patients are often asymptomatic, but can present with painless vaginal bleeding, typically postcoital or postmenopausal, a vaginal mass, urinary symptoms such as frequency, or gastrointestinal symptoms such as constipation. Diagnosis is based on history and clinical presentation and confirmed via histology. Management includes radiation, surgery, or both, and patients often have good outcomes. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 1. Cervical squamous cell carcinoma is often associated with vaginal squamous cell carcinoma as primary SCC of the vagina is extremely rare. Histology of vaginal SCC will demonstrate invasive proliferation of squamous cells instead of the clear cells seen in this patient. Choice 3. Hormone replacement therapy is associated with increased risk for endometrial and ovarian cancer. This patient is presenting with the mass at the vaginal canal. Choice 4. Infection with human papillomavirus is associated with cervical squamous cell carcinoma. Choice 5. Premature ovarian failure is not associated with cervical or vaginal cancer, though it might be protective for ovarian cancer. Finally, a bullet summary. Clear cell adenocarcinoma of the vagina is associated with in utero exposure to diethylstilbestrol. For the second question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 29-year-old woman presents to her primary care physician with vaginal discharge. The patient states that for the past month, she has experienced a worsening malodorous vaginal discharge and bleeding after sexual intercourse. The patient has a past medical history of polycystic ovarian syndrome and is currently taking metformin. She was recently worked up for infertility by her obstetrician. She underwent a hysterosalpingogram, which demonstrated a T-shaped uterus. Her temperature is 99.5 degrees Fahrenheit, or 37.5 degrees Celsius. Blood pressure is 137 over 78. Pulse is 90 beats per minute respirations are 17 breaths per minute, and oxygen saturation is 98% on room air. Physical exam demonstrates an irregular mass in the vagina and coarse hair over the patient's upper lip. Which of the following is the most likely diagnosis? And the answer choices are Choice 1. Clear cell adenocarcinoma Choice 2. Lichen sclerosis Choice 3. Normal ovarian cycle Choice 4. Postcoital vaginal bleeding from trauma. 
or choice 5, squamous cell carcinoma. The best answer to this question is choice 1, clear cell adenocarcinoma. This patient is presenting with symptoms suggestive of clear cell adenocarcinoma. Clear cell adenocarcinoma typically presents in women who were exposed to diethylstilbestrol in utero. Patients can have a T-shaped uterus. Symptoms include malodorous vaginal discharge, postcoital vaginal bleeding, and an irregular mass or plaque in the vagina. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 2. Lichen sclerosis presents with white, quote-unquote, cigarette paper skin in the vagina that is highly pruritic. It is a risk factor for vaginal cancer. Choice 3. Normal ovarian cycle would present with spotting and clots per the vagina in a regular monthly fashion. Choice 4. Postcoital vaginal bleeding from trauma would present with vaginal soreness and bleeding after sexual intercourse. Choice 5. Squamous cell carcinoma of the vagina could present with vaginal bleeding and a mass in the vagina. However, it would not be associated with a T-shaped uterus. Finally, a bullet summary. Clear cell adenocarcinoma of the vagina presents with a malodorous vaginal discharge, postcoital vaginal bleeding, and an irregular mass or plaque in the vagina secondary to DES exposure in utero. That's all for this review about vaginal carcinoma. We hope that was helpful. This is the MedBullets Step 1 podcast, a daily audio review session for MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. As a reminder, you can follow along with these podcast episodes by reviewing the topics directly on MedBullets.com. You can listen to these episodes on the MedBullets website or phone app while reading through the topic. If the MedBullets podcast has been valuable to you, we'd be thrilled if you considered leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here on the MedBullets Step 1 podcast.